Well, we're in this series that we titled last week. We, we kicked it off. It's, it's called Level Up. Yes. Level yeah. Up. And I want to go ahead and remind us, give us a little refresh on what that phrase level up means and why we are leaning into it this, this season. So the word level up by definition, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, is to go to a higher level or standard. The, the Macmillan Dictionary, to increase or improve something. Here's what I believe. I believe that every individual in, in the room today or online right now can, can still go higher, can still, can still increase in some area of life, can still improve something, can still level up, can still go to a higher standard. And, and I really believe this as an athlete, you're only as strong as the weakest person on the team, that everybody has to level up. Here's what I believe. When you get better, we get better. When I get better, you get better. When you get better, I get better. And what if this year we all together as a collective family said, you know what, we're going higher. What if all of us said, you know what, I'm going to increase something. I'm going I'm to improve something. Let me quote from the Urban Dictionary that defined level up as to make a move in your life for the better. To, to increase or improve something, maybe today you would say, you know what, I need, to, I need to improve my parenting. I need to improve my marriage. I need to improve my singleness. I need to improve what I see or what I put into my heart and my spirit. I need to improve my diet. I need to improve my study in God's word. I need to level up somewhere in life. You might have to move differently in order for that to happen, but it's for the better. And I think, I know for me, I just tend to, when I get around people that are getting better, I just tend to get better. When I'm around people that are getting worse, I just tend to compromise a little bit more. The proverb says, if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. If you surround yourself with winners, don't be surprised when you start winning. Let's all level up. And so we talked about what it, what it looks like to just set the tone for the leveled up life. But I want us to, over the next several weeks, talk about what does it look like for us as a church to level up. And what I really sense the Holy Spirit put on my heart is to level up in, in our DNA. DNA, I need to, I need to look up again what the, actually the, the acronym DNA stands for. I know it's a, these long medical words. Maybe Vanessa Woody can help me out if she's in the room. But... Exactly what she said. If you say it fast, no, 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 acid, all right? It's what makes up the person's body, right? It's what, it's what keeps a person going. It's what keeps a person moving. It's, it's the wiring of a person. It's what keeps them breathing and looking and, and moving and mobilizing. It's the DNA of a person. Well, every church has a DNA. It, it's what you cut open that comes out. That's the DNA, And when you cut Walk Church open, what comes out of us matters. What what makes up our church, what keeps us going is what I want to talk about here this morning. And and that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. It's it's simply this, the mission, the vision, and the values of our church. I realized a few weeks ago when I said, I just put this question out, I said, what's our first core value here at Walk Church? And I literally heard crickets. It's like, dang, they really, there's some crickets in this room. And I realized, you know, we need to level up in our understanding of who we are. 
And I talked about God dependence. We're a God dependent church. But I want us to start today with the message that I'm titling Level Up the Mission. Level up the mission for my note takers in the room. We want to level up the mission. I'll talk about what the mission of Walk Church is, how we arrived at this language, and how we can all level up in this area. So if you're ready, say ready. ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. let's eat. Let's eat. Father, as we get ready to eat from your word, God, we ask you to speak to us. Help us to level up the mission together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I want to say this on the outset, that every church has a mission. The, a mission statement, a mission in itself can be defined as why something exists. A mission is what, what gets you up in the morning? What are you thinking about? What are you focused on? What's your purpose is another way to ask that question. And every church has a mission, and I will even say this, that mission is defined by Jesus. Jesus has a mission for his church, and he relays it very clearly at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew 28. We're going to spend a few moments in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, because I believe that every church has the same mission. It might not be worded the same. It might not be packaged the same. I would say even that the methods may change but the mission stays the same. At the end of Jesus's earthly life, he gathers his disciples after he died and rose from the grave, and he says, I'm gonna give you the mission. Here it is, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Everybody say this two-letter word with me. Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This right here is the mission of the church. It's simply put to go and make disciples of all nations. The mission that God has given each and every one of us is the same. No matter how you spin it or shape it or chop it up, it's the same. It's to go make disciples. In other words, Jesus is saying, check this out. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. So that's why when the devil tempts Jesus in Matthew 4 and says, hey, Jesus, psst, if you follow me, I'll give you all authority over. And Jesus goes, you dummy. I already have all authority. I have authority in heaven and on earth. You can't give me anything that I don't already have. Sidebar, some of y'all just need to tell the devil, look, you can't give me something I don't already possess in Christ. He has all authority over you, over sin, over life, over death. I'm on his team. Jesus says, so, so with that being said, you probably should listen. Jesus says, I, I carry the authority over heaven and earth. So now, here's what I want you to do, disciples. I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In other words, Jesus is saying, the thing that we've been doing for the past three years, I want you to go do with people everywhere, for everyone. I want you to now go make disciples. I want you to now do the baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I want you to start doing some teaching, teaching people to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, 
I'm with you always to the end of the age. I wonder if the disciples at this point were freaking out. Like, Jesus, we've followed you for the past three years, night and day. We've done everything together. And then you pulled a fast one on us and you died. And that was very scary. We went back to fishing. But then we had breakfast on the beach. You came and showed up with holes in your hands and cooked us some breakfast. And then now Jesus says, but this time I'm really going. I'm gonna ascend up to heaven and I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. He's gonna empower you. And guess what? Behold. Anytime you see this word behold, you should hold up and say, oh, this is a powerful moment. Jesus says, behold, I'll be with you. And I wonder if the disciples, yeah, I wonder if they were like, but, but how long will you be with me this time? Jesus says, say it, always. always. Jesus says, I'm gonna be with you Always, how long though? To the end of the age. Oftentimes in our Bibles, you'll see a little subtitle in Matthew 28, right here, it says it online. It says, the great commission. Does that what your Bible says? Does it have this little breakup and it says, this right here is the great commission. Why is this called the great commission? Here's why. Because Jesus here is giving the mission to his church and he's saying, I'm going to be with you. It's a co-mission. Jesus goes, as you go live out the mission, I'm going to go with you. In fact, I'm going to do the work for you. But I'm going to do it through you. This is a co-mission. I'm on mission with Jesus. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, had a very clear mission. To seek, save the lost, and to make disciples that would change the world. Can I tell you, he's still doing the same thing? He's doing it through his church. Unless his church is sleeping, unless his church has got more focused on having an actual service than actual service. Or maybe the church is busy sitting when we should be walking. Maybe the church has really gotten fat with knowledge and we got 18 Bibles in our living room. We got a study Bible, a Greek Bible, a concordance and apologetic Bibles. And Jesus is like, can you, can you just pick one and then do it? Because I got a mission. And the mission has to go. The mission has to move. I want to just start on the outset of this message to just share that with everybody because we're all called to mission. We all have a purpose. This church has a purpose. If you find a church that says, hey, our mission is not to go and make disciples. That's, that's, that's the wrong church. That is a lowercase c. That, that, is, a, that is a church that, um, I, I, yeah, I got nothing. I don't, that's actually not a church. The church, the, the, the word church is the Greek word ecclesia. It means called out ones for mission. It was actually a military term, the word church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church, the called out ones that are on mission. Like we have to to reverse our thing. You can't just see church as a Sunday event. You have to see church as a Monday calling. You have to see church as a lifestyle. You have to see church as a mission. That we're all on together. Now here's what I'll say. The mission is clear to go make disciples. But I've also came to realize that how churches make disciples And how churches define make disciples can be different. 
not everybody makes disciples the same. In fact, I think it would be hard for you to to pin Jesus down to his disciple-making strategy. One night, he's walking on water. Another night, right, he's feeding the 5,000 with loaves and fish. One time, they brought Jesus a guy who was blind. And he said, Jesus, can you heal me? And Jesus grabbed some mud, spit in the mud, and then wiped it on his eyes. I would not encourage you to do that. <laughs> like, however Jesus wants to disciple is up to him. But he's making disciples. And that's the mission. That's the co-mission that we've been given. Now, let me go ahead and give you our definition for the mission. It's simply put, to free people to walk in Jesus. Our mission is this, freeing people to walk in Jesus. Why do we use this language? Because if you were to ask me, hey, Hayden, what's a disciple? I would say a disciple is somebody who's been set free and is now walking in Jesus. Somebody that's been set free by the gospel of Jesus to now live out their purpose of walking in Jesus. So we had to come to the realization as a church, we make disciples by freeing people to walk in Jesus. Our our language for how do we make disciples at walk is to see people experience freedom in Christ, real freedom, and then begin living out their calling to walk in Jesus. I wanna unpack this for you. Let me highlight this phrase, freeing people. This word freeing people is something that we arrived at over six years ago when we were trying to really ask the Lord, what was the expression of church he wanted to have through walk? Here's why I say that, because we had a mission statement that was about a paragraph long. I remember telling Nina, nobody's gonna remember this. Like, I I was like, okay, we're gonna pray and we're gonna look at the Bible and then we're gonna write out the mission of our church. I remember it was like, walk church exists to glorify God by making disciples in Las Vegas and the world for the glory of Jesus, with, empowered by the Holy Spirit, turning from sin, praising Jesus. To, and I'm like, this is really dope for maybe a couple of us, but every, nobody's gonna read this. Like I, I, I remember getting up and saying, our mission at what? And I couldn't remember it. It's like, let me, let me find it again. This is, it's just too long. And then I really had to ask, what do we wanna see? We wanna see people set free to walk in Jesus. That's the mission. That's what a disciple is. Now, freedom is a concept that I believe God has been always trying to produce in his people. That God is a God who is passionate about freedom. You can find this in the earliest days to the book of Exodus when the people of God, the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians, Pharaoh, And God raises up this older man named Moses. Many scholars believe Moses was in his 80s when God called him. That means, hey, no one's without excuse, all right? God put put his greatest calling on Moses' life in his 80s. This could be a season of preparation for you. Nobody's arrived. Don't think, hey, my, my days are in my past. Says who? And here's what the calling on Moses' life was. Moses, I want you to go to the people and I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to set them free. Go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And don't stop going and telling them that message until it happens. God was passionate about freedom. All throughout the Old Testament, God is trying to get his people back into a right relationship with him so that they can be free. In the New Testament, this is the same. Paul, he writes to the church in Galatia, 
The Galatian church, Galatians 5, verse 1, one of my favorite verses. Come on, can you read it with me? Ready? Go. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stop. Did you catch that? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. The reason why I want to emphasize this is because it's countercultural. I would even say it's even counter religious. I know because I've been in several different seasons and spaces of Christianity over the course of my journey of being a follower of Jesus. And sometimes I feel like it's for hard work that Christ set us free. It's for religious duty that Christ set us free. It, it, it's, it's for serving that Christ set, or it's for the law, that it's for, it's for check boxes. It's for burden that Christ set us free. The word burden means heavy. No, church, listen to me. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why did Jesus set me free? So you could be free. Explain that. I can't. He just really wants you to be free. God is passionate about freedom. So then stand in it. Stand firm, therefore, and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. I, I believe that addictions are real things, but they're not more realer than freedom. I believe that there's strongholds, there's things that can jump on you and try to bind you and try to discourage you and even cause you to sin. But listen, don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. This text was primarily talking about spiritual slavery to the flesh. To where when the flesh whispers, hey, you should do this right now. You don't have to listen anymore. You can actually speak back to your own deceived heart and say, I'm free. I'm actually free. I don't have to watch that anymore. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to go there anymore. I don't have to eat that anymore. I don't have to drink that anymore. I don't have to smoke that anymore. Why? Because I'm free. Yeah, I'm free. Check this out. It's not because I'm a Christian now and I work hard and I will never go back because I'm strong. No, like, I'm not strong. I'll actually go back to my old life real quick if I'm not careful. I gotta walk in freedom. It's the freedom that should motivate us to be free. So you can look at sin in the eye and say, you know what? There's too much grace. There's too much love. There's too much freedom in Christ for me to go backwards. I got to level up. Level up in freedom. So we're, we're interested in freeing people. If you, if you move from Galatians 5, go on to verse 13. Galatians 5, 13. Paul can't get away from this concept. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom. Can I just say, freedom's not just something that we should do. Freedom's a calling. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Paul's writing to family. He's saying, brothers and sisters, live in your freedom that Christ bought for you. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. In other words, don't think, okay, I'm free to sin. No, you're free from sin. Yeah. Jesus isn't saying, okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to take off these shackles and handcuffs so you can run right back into sin. Notice why whenever Jesus healed somebody, he says, all right, now go sin no more. Like he was healing people's eyes. He's healing people's legs. He's like, I didn't heal your legs so you can run to the strip club. That wasn't the purpose of the healing. 
The healing was holiness. The healing was freedom. The healing was not to send you right back into slavery. The healing was to make you better, not worse. So don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. It's true. You're free. You can go do whatever you want to do. But the question is, what do you want to do? Hopefully you'd want to get to know God, love God, worship God, follow him, trust him. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Don't serve because you have to. Serve because you're free. I love seeing people that, that join our dream team. Don't need any credit. Got here really early this morning. Going to stay a long time after to tear everything down and to move all the lunch tables back into this cafeteria. And we serve because we're free. We serve because we get to, not because we have to. Use your service to love one another. Every year around the springtime, we do what's called a love strong month. It came out of this verse. Love strong is saying, okay, because we're free, let us serve. Let's show up and let's bring blessing everywhere that we go. We try to identify serving places all around the city and we try to lean in and serve. It's powerful. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. We are passionate about freedom. It's a calling on your life. It's a calling on my life. Let's hold each other accountable to freedom. The other, the other person who wants to hold us accountable to freedom is the Holy Spirit himself. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is passionate about you being free? He wants to free you. I'll show it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. This is my wife Nina's favorite verse in the Bible. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is the law. Oh, my bad. Freedom. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So wherever the Holy Spirit is, there's freedom. I say this because sometimes we can get so into this, we can get into our heads and we can start to think, man, the Holy Spirit comes into my life, he's going to bring a whole lot of religious hardship. It's backwards. That is demonic. That's not from God. Let God tell you what the Holy Spirit does. He brings freedom. Even when the Holy Spirit is trying to get sin out of you, it's for the purpose of getting freedom into you. Even when the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, I'm trying to evict things out of your heart that are, that are holding you in bondage, it's for the purpose of freedom. So yes, it, it may hurt. Yes, it may require lifestyle change, but it's for freedom. It's not for bondage. It's not for burden. It's not for stronghold. The Holy Spirit shows up with freedom. Holiness, living life in Christ, that's what holiness is, will lead to more freedom. I believe holiness will lead to happiness. I think if we start living more holy and saying no to sin, we are deceiving ourselves thinking, man, that's going to be boring, bro. No, that's going to be freeing, bro. Yeah. But you got to speak that to your own heart, which is deceitful and wicked. If anybody gives you the false information by saying, hey, look, just trust your heart. Tell them, stop lying. My heart will lead me off a cliff. Sometimes I'm upset. Sometimes I'm happy. My heart just follows the emotions. 
That's why the proverb says, tell your heart which way it should go. Speak to your heart and say, heart, I'm transforming you right now with the word of God. And that's freedom. Freeing people. I'll give you one more verse. You know that there's so many verses on freedom. I love this. I've studied this topic of freedom. We wouldn't make this our mission statement if we weren't sure that it's thoroughly biblical. One more passage is when Jesus is engaging with the Pharisees and scribes and Jewish believers. Actually, there were Jewish people who put their faith in Jesus as the Messiah, and they started to ask Jesus questions about, what about Abraham? What about Moses? And Jesus begins to disciple them. He goes, I was actually before those guys. Before Abraham was, I am, which was a God statement. Before Moses was, I, was the, I made Moses. Like Jesus is like, I'm, you, you got to go, level up. You got to go past those guys. Those guys are all right, but those guys aren't me. Le- level up. And they say, well, what does it mean? And Jesus goes, he says, you guys need to tap into freedom. He talks to these Jewish people that were bound in a lot of ways by the law. And he says, look, don't, don't submit to slavery from the law and from works and, and sin. There was a lot of duplicity in their lives. Jesus says, submit to freedom. That's why he says this phrase in John 8, 36. So if the son, Jesus, capital S, sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Freedom is something that Jesus is offering to you today for free. It's free for us. It cost him his life. It cost him his death. He rose from the grave and defeated sin, death, and hell, and Satan. He said, I'm doing this so that these people that are here today can really experience all the freedom that I have for them. Now, freedom in itself is beautiful. But I believe freedom with a purpose is even better. I love this statement here. We say this often at Walk Church. We have wristbands that we made with this phrase. Free people, free people. Freedom has a purpose to it. Free people are actually the ones who then turn around and do the freeing. My wife and I, this past uh, year, we watched a, a a biographical movie on Harriet Tubman on how she had this burden and passion on her heart to go back and free people by the hundreds so that people could experience the freedom that that they have as image bearers of God himself. That, That we should be living as people who are free physically, but also spiritually. Free people go back and free people. Once Jesus has set you free by the love and grace and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you realized, I'm a sinner, I'm in need of a savior, and then it hits you, but I have a savior, his name's Jesus, with blood-pierced hands, he came to wipe my sin away and set me free, that should do something in you, not make you more prideful and selfish, that should make you more generous. That should make you say, man, I need to, I need to share this with somebody else. Like, I found a cure for my eternal death. I better offer that to somebody. Free people, free people. Free people, free people. Freedom without a purpose could be dangerous. Freedom without a purpose could actually end up hindering you if you don't know why you're free. To be free should lead us and do something in us to go hard with the freedom that we have for Jesus himself. I remember watching a movie, and it's a great movie. I don't condone everything in the movie just getting my disclaimers out there. But this movie is called Shawshank Redemption. 
I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, but it's a powerful movie. It's a story about redemption and life in prison and freedom in different ways. But there's this part that's more of a sorrowful, sombering moment in the movie. I don't want to give too much of it away, but I'll just share this, this part because I think it illustrates the point that I'm trying to make. It's when this guy by the name of Red, who's here, who, who, who spent the past decades of his life in prison, where all he began to know is the prison food, the people that were in prison. He was defined by the bars, his cell. In a way, the fellowship he shared with the prisoners and the life of being shackled, not free. And finally, he served the, the fulfillment of his sentence and they let him go. But this part in the movie is so interesting because he finally gets out and he stands there and he says, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know where to go. So they pick him up and they drop him off at this little motel in this room and he sits there in this room with no purpose. He gets a job at the grocery store, he's bagging groceries, no purpose, joyless. And he goes back to his room and he sees this carved into the wall. Brooks was here, so was Red. And he realizes that this is the room that they had taken the prisoners to who were set free to then figure out their purpose in life, and many of those prisoners ended up committing suicide because they had no purpose. To the point where even he then thought, you know what, I don't got no purpose. I'm just gonna go ahead and end it. Until some inspiration hit him, and the rest of the movie is very fascinating, but the point that I'm trying to make is, if you don't have reasoning for your freedom, you might get lost. You might, or, you might just come to church for the rest of your life and never do anything with your life. I love how David Platt says it. He says, Jesus didn't save you to sideline you. He saved you to send you. Right? Jesus, amen, is worthy of clapping. J Jesus set you free so that you could free people, so that you could be a disciple maker, so that you could be on mission with gifts and skills and passion that you didn't even know that you had until you were free. You have a purpose, my friend. It's beautiful. It's big. It's good. It's gospel. It's, it's joy-filled. It's action-packed. It's the second half of our mission statement. I'll put it back up on the screen. Freeing people to walk in Jesus. So we don't just stop here. We don't just say, what? why does the church exist? To free people. We don't stop there. Because you could be free and not have a purpose. Freeing people to now walk in Jesus. Right? Like, I don't want you to get a part of this church. And let's just say, you know, you, you come to church at 25 and then 45, you're still at church, sitting in the same seat, Bible open, another great message. Never did anything with it, but I love this church. That is not what we're doing here. The, 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 the phrase walk intends we gotta do something. With this blink of an eye life that God has given you, maximize it. Walk it out, I don't know what that's gonna look like for you, I just wanna be a part. To walk in Jesus is the calling on all of our lives. Let me, let me show it to you out of Colossians 2, verse 6. Colossians 2, 6 says, Therefore, he's writing to the Colossians. The Colossians have all types of problems. 
They're being sifted and deceived by philosophy, by different conversations regarding, did Jesus really rise from the grave? Well, are you really observing the Sabbath? All these types of different things are happening in the Colossian church. Paul says, well, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. He says, focus on your walk. If you've received, believing is with the head, receiving is with the heart. Believing is saying, yeah, I believe that Jesus did die and rise. Receiving says, and now I want to make him my Lord. I want to apply the gospel to my own life. It's one thing to say, I think 2,000 years ago, Jesus actually did live, and he did die, and he did rise. But then you got to say, and it was for me. Or it just hangs in the balance. you got to receive it as your own, as a gift. As you receive the Messiah, Christ, Jesus, the Savior, the Lord. As you've received him, so, comma, so, so what should we do, church? So we should walk in him. This verse changed me. I I remember being a college student, playing college basketball, thinking, that's different. I thought Christianity was receiving the gospel, Christ Jesus the Lord, and going to church. The, The pastors do all the work for us. The ministry, they, teach, they read the Bible, they teach the Bible, they do the baptizing, they do the disciple making. I just show up, I receive Jesus, I'm free. And then I saw that and I said, whoa, I'm called to walk too. I'm called to have legs to my faith too. I'm called to walk in Jesus. And I realized that everybody's called to two things. You're called to be free in Jesus and called to walk in Jesus. How do we define what a disciple is? A disciple is somebody who's been set free by Jesus and now is walking in Jesus. We are gonna do everything that we can to help you experience freedom and walk in Jesus. That's our mission. Everything that we do is surrounded by freeing people to walk in Jesus. That's why we exist. That's why we, we eat, breathe, and sleep, freeing people to walk in Jesus. We want you to do that too. We want you to join in this co-mission of making disciples, or as Walk Church puts it, freeing people to walk in Jesus. He says, as you receive Jesus, well, now walk in Jesus. I, I read this quote by a author named Major Ian Thomas. He wrote a little book called The Indwelling Life of Christ. Such a good book, so many radical thoughts in the book, and here's one of the quotes. He says it like this. If you're ready, say ready. He says, the Christian life is the life which he lived then, live now by him and you. Some of y'all didn't catch it. Let me start right here in the center. If you read these books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew's 28 chapters of the life of Jesus. Mark is 16 chapters of the life of Jesus. Luke is 24 chapters of the life of Jesus. John is 21 chapters of the life of Jesus. All for, you'll see Jesus going crazy. I mean, he's doing so much. Like the life of Jesus in, the, in that three-year span that's recorded for us, Luke will give you the birth and the 12-year-old moment as well. Matthew will give you a birth moment as well. What Jesus is doing in that three years, the gospel writer John says, there's not enough books in the library to record all the things Jesus did. Can I just share with you? This is for the middle section. 
the life that Jesus lived then lives now through you. Did you know that? Maybe y'all, maybe you guys over here get the life that Jesus lived in here is now through you. Maybe on this side. This is the side. This side. Come on. Someone's waiting over. The life that Jesus lived in Luke and Mark and Matthew and John, the Lord's Prayer, the parable, Jesus cleanses 10 lepers, Jesus the triumphal entry, Jesus death, buried, resurrection, calls the disciples in Samaria, feeds the 5,000, women caught in adultery, heals her, triumph, good, good Friday, Palm Sunday, the plot to kill Jesus. All, all that then, now, through you. That's you, that's you. That's what, that's the mission. The same life he lived back then, if you're walking in Christ, is today. The same thing Jesus wanted to do then, he wants to do right now. Now, now I can't give you the prescription of how it's even going to look. Neither could the disciples. Jesus doesn't often do the same thing twice. They couldn't figure him out. You won't be able to either. That's why you got to walk in him by faith. That's why some days they thought, okay, Jesus, remember last time we did this? And Jesus goes, well, this time we're going to do that. Remember, Jesus, last time we took this route to Samaria. Jesus goes, well, this time we're going to go this route. Why? I got a plan. I got to stop at the well. I got to meet somebody. Got an appointment. You guys are coming. Okay. I guess that's what we're doing. Hey, Jesus, it kind of seems like we're walking into a cemetery right now. I know. I'm about to meet with somebody. He's a demon-possessed man. What? Yo, John, like, hey, Matthew, the tax collector, are you guys down for the cemetery exorcism that Jesus is about to do? The demons all run into a thousand pigs. The pigs fly off the cliff. This is discipleship. They're like, what just happened? Jesus says, hey, I'm going to go up on this mountain. Only three of you guys can come. I don't know why he chose that. Jesus said to the disciples, hey, we're going to go across the river. It's nighttime. It's dark. We don't have LED lights in the boat. It's going to be dark, and it's going to be stormy. And I ain't coming with y'all. Bye. <laughs> and they're like, Jesus, what? Jesus, this is how I'm doing it. They head off. Midway through the night, Jesus comes walking on the water up to the boat. Like, this is the moment. Other times, hey, the next time Jesus was tired, I'm going to go to sleep in the boat. Leave me alone. They got all paranoid, woke Jesus up. Jesus, we're going to die. Literally, Jesus goes, hey, wind, chill out. <laughs> like, hey, hey, waves, y'all doing a little too much. Y'all messing up my sleep right now. Man, Jesus was sleeping in the storm. That's a message in itself. It's going to be all right. The Christian life is the life which he lived then, lived today by him and you. And my encouragement is that you would you'd walk it out. That, that's what we're about here at Walk Church. We're, we're about freeing people to walk in Jesus. And over the next few weeks, we're going to break down freeing people to walk in Jesus. We're going we're gonna to take that and we're going to even distill that even more. And that's called our vision. Our vision is our mission lived out. 
The mission is to free people to walk in Jesus. Our vision is, what is that going to look like? That's what we want to see. That's what we're going to see. The mission lived out is the vision experienced. We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. So I want to make sure that I invite you to join us for that. I'll close in our worship team. You guys can come back up because we're going to respond with worship. But I'll close with an, an, an example. I once remember talking to Pastor Vance Pittman from Hope Church about the indwelling life of Christ and just this idea that Christ lives in us and through us. I remember him, him saying, imagine, imagine playing in a basketball game and you're in the locker room. It's a championship game. It's the big game. It's the night of, there's a few minutes left before the game. You're all in the locker room and all of a sudden the door opens up and guess who walks in? Michael Jordan, my guy. I got, I'm the Jordan guy. And Jordan walks in. He's not really my guy. I, I don't know him, but one day. Um, he walks in, and let's just say hypothetically speaking, you have this zipper on your head, and you can unzip yourself. And here I am. Here's Hayden. I unzip myself, and Hayden steps out of my body, and Michael Jordan steps into my body, and then he zips back up. And we run out to play the game. And all of a sudden, Hayden is doing things he's never done before. I'm shooting shots. I got my tongue out. I'm hitting dunks. Jordan style, right? 10 seconds left, tie game. They say, we're giving the ball to Hayden. I come down. I hit the Jordan crossover. Person flies over that way. Shoot the shot. Hold the Jordan. And game over. Hit the game winning shot, right? And everybody runs onto the court and says, yo, Hayden. That was crazy. What got into you? How'd you do that? How'd you hit those shots? How'd you do that? Now, that would be the wrong moment for me to say, yeah, I've been working on my game, you know. I've just been, uh, been uh, putting, putting a lot of work in. At the, I've been working out with Warren Rosegreen. You know, I've been, been trying to just... Here's the reality. It wasn't anything that I did. It was everything that he did through me. It wasn't even my gifts. It wasn't even my talent. It wasn't even my strength. It was the person working in me to produce it through me. If it was just up to me, I wouldn't have done those things. I would have probably missed it. But because of what he's done in me and through me, you're able to see that. That's a great moment to give God glory. Right? When, when Jesus enters into the life of the disciple and the spirit of Christ begins to live in you and walk his life out through you, people are going to see Jesus at your workplace. I just prayed for a brother right before this service. He came up to me and he said, I got a big interview tomorrow. And I just prayed for him that he wouldn't walk into the room by himself. He would walk in him. He would walk in Jesus. The people that are on the other side of that interview would see Jesus through you and be like, we got to hire this guy. This guy's different. Don't walk in yourself. That's so limited. Walk in him. That's so limitless. Amen? Walking in Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the mission that you've given our church. And God, I just sense you have so much more in store. If there's somebody here in the room today that does not know you 
today as the Lord and Savior of their life. Today, I pray in Jesus' name that they would turn away from their sins and that they would turn to Christ and be set free. With all heads bowed and with all eyes closed right now, if you need to experience that, that freedom right now, would you just lift your hand up in the air right now? making a decision right now. I see the hands in the air. You're not alone. God, I pray for everybody online or in person making this decision to experience freedom and receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their lives. Come on, let's just pray right now together. If you're making that decision or if you just want to pray it with us right now too, just say, Jesus, I'm ready. I believe. I receive. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I turn away from my past. I turn to you now. Set me free. Heal me. Change me. Forgive me. I confess that I'm yours. I believe you died for me and my sin. I believe you rose from the grave. I believe you're coming again. I'm ready to walk in Jesus' name. Amen.